I am jet lagged, bud. I'm, I'm jet lagged. Mm. I'm tired. Uh, it was a long flight, but I finally made it back to the the fatherland, the motherland, the, the land of, of sausages and chocolates. Um, but like I gotta tell you, man, my my brain is kind of fried. And if I recall correctly, you had a great story for like re-energizing, right? You, you might know, like I, I I'm into hockey. Listeners, you guys know I'm into hockey. Um, you you do love the chill. Love the chill, bud. But so I was at a, a local establishment this last week watching that latest uh, Knights and um, Panthers game. Yeah, yeah. And um, I kind of got there a little bit later, and I was wearing my uh, maple leaf or maple leaves hat. And like, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Like you just, you know, show up. Yeah. Um, and I walk into the bar and I order my beer and I'm like, just sitting at the bar watching. And as I'm sitting there, like here rolls up this big old dude in like night's gear. Right. Like he's actually, he's sticking out like a sore thumb. He's got the golden Jersey. It's like, okay, okay. Right on. Um, and he kind of like gives me the once over look and notices the, my Toronto hat and just kind of like glares, and starts drinking his beer. And okay. then the guy next, and then like on my right hand is um, a dude decked out in like Panthers gear. And I'm kind of back in the Panthers low key anyway. I, I hate Vegas, but like, so like, but he, you know, same deal, looks at my hat and like, eh, kind of, you know, fuck you, buddy. And I'm like, hey, hey we're all here to watch the game, you know? And as we're sitting there watching, we're all getting a little bit drunker. And this is that series, or this is that game when um, the, when Vegas was just pulling all them dirty picks and like, Okay. You know, really just, you know, it was a dirty game. The ref, the refs weren't calling it right. Like, but we're all getting a little bit horned up. And finally, like, it gets to the point, you know what? I'm sorry. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's his fault. Maybe it's the other guy's fault. I made a joke about something and the Golden Knight fan, he got super mad. But the Panther <laughs> fan started laughing. And okay. then the Knight fan said something that pissed the Panther fan off. And then I laughed. So... Now I have on my right-hand side this Golden Knight fan who's just furious. On my left-hand side is this Panther fan who's going to take a swing at me, and I'm going to knock his goddamn teeth out because I got at least 40 pounds. I know I can take this guy. At least I know, like, I know which way I'm swinging if I got a swing. But then, but then, but then, like, the bartender just, like, in this moment of clarity realizes what's going on, pours three little shots of, like, you know, like the sampler size of this new beer they have, um... And it's like this new like strawberry wheat cream ale. Not, the way I'm describing it is so terrible. And she sets them down in front of us. And I know exactly what I'm doing. I just take that little shot of beer and I take my little sniff and I take the gulp. And Johnny, damn it, man. If that drink of beer wasn't the worst taste of beer I'd ever had, who the hell makes a strawberry wheat cream beer? God, <laughs> you might as well do something asinine like start a King of the Hill podcast and call it the Dangle Podcast. And then say welcome back to that there Dangle Podcast. <laughs> I can't believe it. I, I fly all the way across the ocean. I'm trying to look for a little sympathy, and this guy has the nerve to tell a joke. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dang Old Podcast, everybody. This is the weekly King of the Hill rewatch podcast where I, Johnny, and my good buddy, Mark. Hey, we talk about two of those classic episodes of Mike Judge's animated TV show, King of the Hill. We talk about them, we rate them, we break them down, we talk about the highs and the lows and and what we like and what we don't like. And at the very end, we slap it with our patented rating system and uh, basically tell you if we think it's worth rewatching or not. But hey, 
you're here to listen to us and I'm not going to tell you about our process too much more because I think we need to just jump right into this week's episode, Mark. I think you're right, buddy. Let's get after it. Yeah, this is, uh, we're going to start this week with episode 191, A Portrait of the Artist as a Young Clown. Original air date, December 4th, 2005. This is written by Christy Stratton. We know her of Bless the Hearts fame, but Mark, what was the last episode Christy Stratton wrote for King of the Hill? Uh, Patriot Act. And it wasn't that bad of an episode, if we recall correctly. I, I felt that I, if I remember right, I just remember being real pissed off because I'm, I'm a, I'm a very much loud and proud cat owner and they do cats real dirty in that episode. But yeah, yeah, I don't well, remember hating it. That was the point it. we figured out, I think. Yeah, we, it was a two tain out of, it was a two tain out of us, but I remember us like kind of coming to the conclusion that like this is written as like, you know, a, a character model in the extreme. Like, that's right. why Bill has the best dog ever. That's why Hank has the worst cat. Like, right, and I th- right, right, right. It was weird, to, it was weird watching that one because I remember really hating it. And then when we watched it, I was like, oh, this is <laughs> this is pretty passable. So our cast of characters this week, Mark, we have Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Luann Platter. She makes a resurgence. I was glad to see her. Dale Gribble, Bill DeBetrove, Boomhauer, uh, introduction of Professor Twilly, John Redcorn, Boris, Connie Supanusipone, Joseph Gribble, Karen Stroop, Emily, that fucker Carl Moss, Clark Peters, Ramon Alejandro, Randy Miller. We even see Randy in this. And Randy. Stuart yes, Duo- Dooley. I, I noticed that. I was like, wait a minute. Holy shit, it's Randy. And he's got a speaking role, even. It's not even just yeah. like a, you're in the background, like our good friend Kid Hauer. No, like, Randy actually has a speaking role for a change. Um, he's, but you know what, that's weird though, too, because that's not Randy's voice. It's not. No, because his he's voice not is like, like way, usually way up here. Yeah, I didn't want to, like, punch him. Yeah, I didn't want to, like, pull his pants down and laugh at his ass. Yeah. I told him not to go in there, Mark. Bobby Hill, you're on deck. Yeah, exactly. That's that's Randy. Uh, synopsis for this episode, Bobby finally gets to stretch his comedy legs when he joins a clowning class at Arlen Community College and creates the timeless character Tartuffe, the spry wonder dog. There's also a kickball game in the alley. What manner of boy is he? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, A-story <laughs> a characters here, Bobby, Hank, and Twilly. B story characters. I literally just put the alley because it seems like a just a murderer's row yeah. of all of our our. <laughs> I intentionally use that phrase, by the way, of uh, of our A story regulars for the most part. Um, shit, we even get we get Redcorn in like his most humbling role yet, and that makes me very happy. Um, mm-hmm. Before we jump into notes, because it's kind of a note, but I wanted to to ask you if you recognize the voice of Twilly because he's our guest star. Um. Yeah, so I knew that I knew that voice, and I couldn't figure out why I knew it. And I pulled it up on Wikipedia, <laughs> and there was this weird note on there, and it's like it had a footnote. And I read the footnote, and the footnote said, "The last guy who wrote this didn't want me to write this, but fuck it, I'm gonna do it anyway." He's the greatest open mic MC of all time, Mr. Paul F. Tompkins. It is. It is. I think he is on record as saying, "I fucking love this podcast. It is the best." podcast period <laughs> he also asks God. if you ever had your ass waxed because it hurts and then it feels good real good guys pf Tompkins, please please go and check yes. out some of his stand-up please go watch any of the shit he has done for tenacious d 
Go watch anything this gap-toothed motherfucker has done. You are going to find something funny. Um, it, my, my, like, I think the most recent thing I've seen him in, did you watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story on Roku? Uh, no, I did not. So it's the Weird Al biopic that they made um, with Daniel yeah. Radcliffe playing the main character. He plays Gallagher. Wait. Like, he is in hang that on, movie on, as Gallagher on. with... <laughs> With like the okay, hang on. Wait, we're going long shift here. Wait, wait, hang on. There's a penalty. Icing. Wait a minute. Daniel Radcliffe is fucking Weird Al Yankovic, and he's perfect at it. Yes. No, he's not. He's fucking British. Uh, trust me. Go watch the movie. Go talk to our good friend Chelsea. I guarantee you, she will affirm this as the biggest Weird Al fan I know. Okay. You may you may strike so. me hard in the testicles if. I am incorrect with this, with this assumption, but I can guarantee you spend $6,000 to fly to Germany to come kick you in the nuts. Yeah. I, yes, I will. I will foot half that bill. And I also intentionally using the word foot that bill. Um, anyway, guys, go check out PF Thompson. So uh, like, yeah, he's, so he's, he's Gallagher incredible. and he's good. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it's a very brief appearance, but it's very clearly him. Um, there's a bunch of like, a lot of the people in that are people who are fans of Funny or Die. And so you got like Conan O'Brien in it and like a handful of people. There's like, I recognize the guy who plays Pee Wee Herman. Our good friend Jables is in there as Wolfman Jack. Rain Wilson is Dr. Demented. Like it's a great, great, great cast. Okay. okay. Go check it out. Okay, you will not be, you will not be sad. Um, there's also a very specific King of the Hill alum that plays Weird Al's dad. And I'm not going to give it away. Cause it's just going to tickle you pink to, to see who it is. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to notes, buddy, because this is like our longest yeah. open ever before we got to notes. Uh, wh- right. what do you got for me? Um, shockingly little. That's why the intro was so long. Hey. Um, number one, Johnny clowns. Good, bad. How do you feel? Oh God. And then to that end, I... you have a fun clown story. I don't have a fun clown story, but if I may, um, guys, you know that Mark and I went to, we went, we went to school, we met in school, uh, for, we were theater majors and every theater major I think has to be subjected to clowning and commedia dell'arte at least for a semester. Um, for some for reason, semester. for some reason they seem to think it, it is up there in importance of like, you have to know this if you're a theater major, just like Shakespeare, just like the classics, you know, all, it, all has, the shit from it has merit. It has Especially with like the type archetype deal in Commedia, it's it has points, but it does. But it, I think, it is insulting to say that it belongs with the rest of those. I never understood clowning. If that's your thing, then good for you. I'm not gonna shit all over you for it. I just I don't see classic clowning as fun, and I think we've evolved past it. But any, with that being said, I mean, I did a a little. I pulled like four character four character archetypes. From my notes, do you mind if I go into them real quick before I will totally steamroll over you? Yeah. No, so we have because I Comedia was del... going to talk about the other end. So yeah. Oh, good. In Commedia dell'arte, we have uh, the Harlequin. So some of these characters, there's the Harlequin archetype, who is usually the servant to the pantalone or pantalones. Uh, the pantalone, who is usually a high status character, he's classified. Usually, he's greedy about something. Uh, we have the Il Dottore. He's uh, in one instance specifically, he is obstacle to young lovers. I believe he is dressed up. Dottore means doctor, if I'm not 
mistake it, right? Yep. It's been a long time since I did clown work. And then we have Il Capitano, <laughs> who tends to be a braggart, a swaggerer, somebody like you get these these archetypes, these characters, and they they overuse all of these things that I'm describing them as, and it, it creates farcical situations and and funny ha ha gaffa ha kwa. <laughs> Shubada, whatever the fuck that, whatever the fuck Paul F. Tompkins says, they they create all this like interaction, and it's it it's supposed to be funny, and it probably fucking was two hundred years ago, but it's not really all that funny now. Uh, I'm glad. I'm hoping Sorry. I'm fucking breaking you, buddy. You, no, you got me with whatever Paul fucking Tompkins says. I don't know why, but you got me with that one. Anyway, so that's a, that's an example, like. Commedia dell'arte is known for these specific archetypes, and that's why they all have specific masks that they designate. So you know, oh, the asshole that's wearing the mask that's got a stupid-ass jester grin and the long, fuck you, Pinocchio nose. Oh, that's that's the Harlequin. Ha ha. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when Fluffy comes out to do his comedy set, you know it's going to be bad Mexican humor. Anyway, Mark, sorry. Uh, <laughs> notes. Boy, you're 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 angry, Jane, today. You're, I am. Wow. <laughs> I am. I'm fired up a little bit. I maybe it's because I was forced to do like a full fucking semester of this, and I hated it then, and I hate it now, and just I like because you realize that, that you're paying money for a thing, and maybe it would have been fine if it was you know like a, a, a six week part of a semester long course, and instead you spend an entire semester. I remember I was in the class with dude. I I think you and I <laughs> did Commedia del Art together, didn't we? I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty sure we did because, yeah. No, it was. I wasn't in your group because your group. No, did you good. were the one ahead. That's right. You were the one ahead. Yeah. No, I I know exactly what you mean. It's unless you're going for it, it's should be treated as like the gen ed. We should just have a gen ed course in theater for this is different styles. If you want to specialize, take a goddamn clowning class. You know. Basically, um, basically, if this hey, had been that's... offered at a community college, I probably would be less pissed off. But you and I technically went to a university. And got forced to do this shit. So yeah. Eh. Anyway, that's, you know that's what? the last I, note I'm going to You know what? I, I regard you. I regard uh, styles of acting about as informative as I did um, women in drama when it was taught by the male professor, whose justification was I became a feminist when my daughter was born. It's like, oh, so you were a piece of shit up until you had a girl and had to be responsible. Bang on, dog. Bang on. Anyway, that's enough <laughs> of me and Johnny being shitty about that. Here, let's talk about clowns really quick. My mom was a clown. I think you know the story, Johnny. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, listeners. Yeah, but listeners don't. My mom was a clown. She was a full-on clown. She wore makeup. She did face paint. She did balloon animals. She trained with the Barnum and Bailey Circus for a time. So I grew up around clowns, so I never developed that chlorophobia. What I did get was a general hatred for all things silly for a time, because, you know, that's how you rebel. Um, and when you rebel, you're usually in high school. So one day, um, I did something particularly stupid and rebellious. I don't know what it was. My mom found out about it and came back from a gig as a clown. And she is ripping my ass in full clown regalia. And I just can't take it, man. And I start laughing because she's yelling at me as a clown. Like, it's, you know, it's literally has the red nose on. And she's like, what the hell is wrong? What what the hell were you thinking? Like, and I'm like, mom, I need you. And I start laughing. She goes, what is so funny? I'm like, mom, you're a clown. Son of a bitch. And then she like... (laughs) She sit on the goddamn couch. She goes into her room an hour later, like strips off her makeup, comes out an hour later, and then proceeds to rip my ass as Terry. Oh, amazing. It's but. It was the tragically ludicrous or the ludicrously tragic. 
Yes, yes. I'd, <laughs> she elicited a guffaw out of me, but then... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm also not afraid of them. Don't get chlorophobia. Whatever, moving on. Um, so, this is just a side note. According to Hulu, the guys find an industrial... This is the episode description. Bobby becomes a clown, and the guys find a ball and play dodgeball. And I'm really upset we didn't get to watch the alley play dodgeball instead Ooh, of this. Yeah. No, I, I'm 100% with you on that. It would have been a better, like... I think we would have gotten more funny shit out of it. Well, because really all we do is see Redcorn sucking, like... <laughs> yeah, but that is real nice. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. Um, but then it makes me think about, like, man, that would be a cool, like, B-plot for the reboot. Um, hey, uh, um, Bobby is organizing an adult, like, charity dodgeball game, and Hank and Bill get way too into it as opposing team captains, and nobody yeah. has fun because they're just going for kill shots. Something like that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Something, I don't know. Anything like that. Um, sorry. Where does Bobby get all his clown stuff? He's got the shoes. And as the child of a clown, I know that, like, that kind of shit is both super, super niche and super expensive. Like. Right, right. Well, and Hank, like, he, I feel like he has done purges of all of Bobby's, like, his fake vomit and his, his poo in a can and all this other stuff. Like, we've seen him get rid of, like, boxes and boxes of Bobby's props. So, yeah. uh, you know, if I had to guess, I'm going to guess it's Cotton. I'm going to guess somehow Cotton is like getting Bobby's oh. Christmas list of shit. And every time Hank throws something out, Cotton goes, well, this will make him mad and goes and buys Bobby like $400 worth of shit. <laughs> I like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. But no, like it's a legit question because yeah, he's got, well, just just when you think about it, when he walks into school, he's got the big red bulbous nose, which isn't super expensive, but kind of hard no. to find, especially in an age of no Amazon. Um, he's probably got a $100, $150 blue wig on his head because it sticks straight up. It's been styled like it's fit to his head because it looks really good. Um, the big novelty bow tie probably doesn't cost too much, but the shoes are also very expensive and they squeak too. So, you know, like there's cool yes. shit in them. But the nose also squeaks. Right, right. Oh, and he's got the big long horn, like yeah. the hand horn. I, that that one's that one's easy. And just just for continuity's sake, um, also also, I looked up a picture of Bobby Hill's uh, rodeo clown regalia, and he's got what looks like Peggy's shoe or just some brown shoes, and I'm pretty sure were Peggy's. Bill's boxer shorts, black stockings, uh, brown and red striped T-shirt, and a blue wig. But it's oh, a different. Okay. It, it's a different color blue. Like in this one, he's got like Rick Sanchez blue hair. This one, he's yes. got electric blue hair. So, or like blue, blue hair. So it's, so we can even say like he changed his clown outfit, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Would you say that Bobby just stole a pair of Peggy's Oxfords and spray painted them red? I thought about that, but like <laughs> what we figure out, that's, that's a size mean, 12. No, I thought about it. I, but then I couldn't remember if they made that joke in rodeo days. About right. him stealing Peggy's shoes. Because I know he stole Bill's underwear, but I don't know. I mean, they made that joke all anyway. the way back in Westy Side Story. <laughs> I look like a... <laughs> Mama's shoes! <laughs> well, so... Yeah, well, I, but then I thought about clowns and... Peggy Hill, you look like Ronald McDonald! 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> From Peggy's Pageant Fever. Uh, moving yes. on. Sorry. God, we're going long today. Here we go. Yes, we are. Um, Adam Sandler's all poo-poo jokes. I just wrote that down because it was a good... I think it's a fun callback that I put in my own head. Yeah. About, you know... I have a note for Adam Sandler, Hank too, so disliking Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um. Yes, Johnny. It is really good. But why is this episode funny i don't really know why it's funny i just kind of liked it um it's also good to see connie we see connie come back a little bit just for a minute and then she's back even more next week or next episode but right i don't remember the last time we really saw connie doing stuff you know what i mean she's it been around like, but like not it no exactly it feels like maybe bluegrass is greener was the last time she had a legitimate episode like focused around her yeah 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 and that was like three seasons ago yeah, I mean, like, because we, we see her and Bobby and Joseph getting the shenanigans in the middle school, or in the high school in uh, Opera's Hank. Um, right. Rich Hank, poor Hank, she's on the shopping spree with them, but, like, yeah, we just don't see... We've had a lot I mean, of Redneck Bobby Joseph Rainy. Well, Redneck on Rainy Street, I guess, is pretty Connie heavy. But. Oh, you're right, you're right. Uh, but no, but like, still, lately, but still, my point is, that was a, that was a while back, that was still season eight, so... Yeah. Sorry, I just talked way over you, sorry. Oh no, no, I was just gonna say all we've seen lately and like it's it feels like it's it's been hit almost to death is is Bobby and Joseph being dumbasses. Like mm-hmm. that was all last season and half of season eight. Yeah, yeah. Um those are my notes, buddy. What do you got? Um, so I wanna point out, because I mean we're kinda of not like keeping a running tally or anything, but we're noticing it. Uh Kid Hauer is sitting in the front row at the talent show. He's sitting right next to Twilly. Um He's also in class. Is he in class as well? That opening I shot, I think that's his assigned seat is up left of Bobby in class. Like, he's always up left of anybody. It's really okay. weird. <laughs> I think, okay. yeah. Because I, I noticed him first, and if you didn't call him out, I was going to say something. But I guess you did call him out and I said something anyway. Sorry. Gotcha. No, you're good. Uh, and then the only other note that I have that I didn't already uh, cover was uh, that we have the line in there that he told me, or uh, Professor Twilly told me that Adam Sandler isn't funny. And Hank like kind of giggles and laughs and goes, huh, okay, maybe I do like this guy. And so I have a question for you. And this is, it's a personal preference okay. question. What was the last good Adam Sandler movie? And I've got two answers because... I have one that's it's a cutesy answer, and I have one that's a funny answer. You can't say uncut gems. No, 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 no. That's neither cute nor funny. Because, um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say because him trying does not count. Um, I don't know my oh shit. What was the last Adam now, Sandler movie? I watched now um, now I Halloween. I okay. watched the, that was the last one I saw. And listeners, go check out one episode of two wizards. I talk about it at length. I lose my goddamn temper at that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say Halloween challenge episode four. I want to say that's it, but yeah, the whole crux of the story was though that, uh, Hubie is actually canteen boy from the SNL universe. And it's, it's insanity. Um, Oh wow. Okay. It's insanity. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What was the last good one you saw? Probably Billy Madison. Like, wow. Okay. I'm a big well. I'm a big fan of Eight Crazy Nights, but I know how problematic that one is. Um, yeah, I like yeah, Happy I mean, Gilmore, yeah. but everybody likes Happy Gilmore. I like Big Daddy, but everybody likes. But you know what I mean? Like, sure, it's sure. it's that it's that anything before Click. I like Adam Sandler. Longest Yard is my cutoff. <laughs> Longest Yard is the last good okay. Adam Sandler movie. Okay, I, okay. I unironically That's a good enjoy. Long, 
I might make Brad watch Longest Yard for Can't Wait to Show the Kids. That's how much I like Longest Yard. Okay. I could see that. Um, how about you, buddy? So for me, like I said, my, so the last one that I felt that was good and funny was Little Nicky. Like, I'm not okay. a huge fan of The Longest Yard, but and, and Little Nicky is not his best movie by any means, but I find it funny. I watched it a bunch as a kid. It's like one of those, it's a comfort movie for me. Um, I, okay. I, I've talked uh, before, I've made the joke more than once because I had a whole like season where all I did during the show was talk about how much I fucking hated Henry Winkler and Henry Winkler mm-hmm. getting covered in bees is one of the best fucking jokes I've ever seen in anything, let alone an Adam Sandler movie. And they do it twice in that. And so little Nicky, that's, <laughs> okay. that's my, that's my funny one. But the last like good one that he did that I really enjoyed, I will unapologetically go to bat for all four of the hotel Transylvania movies. I like animation and those are stupidly funny. Like they're good little kid movies. Okay. You don't have to think about them. I like monsters. I know you do too. I don't know if you've actually gotten a chance to yeah. sit down and watch them. Um, I mean, I, I mean, you got to be kind of, you know, I, I avoid them. animation. So you got to kind of be in a mood for them. But the, the first two specifically are really good. They've got great voice actors. It's it's his typical. Hey, Steve Buscemi's in this. Hey, David Spade is in this. Hey, Kevin James is in this. He plays Trotsky. No, no, <laughs> he doesn't play Trotsky. I don't remember. I think he's Frankenstein or some shit. Um, but they're they're just they're funny kid movies. I also love Adam okay. or wow Andy Samberg, and he is the other main foil for him. And so I'm like, cool. It's mm-hmm. Adam Sandler doing a shitty Transylvanian accent, and Andy Samberg just getting to go fucking full bore because it's a kids movie, and he's got all this manic energy everywhere. Go check it out. It's okay. a lot of fun. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, uh, but that moves us into pros. So let's let's keep kicking this bastard down the road because yeah, this is gonna be a long episode. <laughs> You keep kicking. You just keep kicking that bastard ball. Um, Bobby is super silly in this episode, and I missed that because I don't feel like we've gotten to see silly Bobby for a while. Um, yeah. Like, like we, we get glimpses of it, but never in a full... We haven't had a full episode of silly Bobby for a while. Not, not unless there's some sort of consequence that comes with it. Yeah, but it's also not him like being a piece of shit either. Like, yeah, this isn't Rich Hank. You know, this isn't Rich Hank, poor Hank. Exactly. Um, like, I, I don't know why I keep calling back to that one. I guess because that was not our last Bobby one, but that was one that was pretty recent for me in terms of Bobby heavy. But which sure, I guess well, died. it's a Bobby episode. I'm looking. But up it now. also gave you um, a big reaction. Okay, so the last one. So. Bobby on track. Um, not funny. Just Bobby was there. Yeah. Um, mutual of Omoblah, maybe, but that's more Panic Bobby. We don't like to see Panic Bobby. Yeah, like right. I think the last one might have been um, Yard She Blows as Bobby being funny when he's like doing his weird like whatever the hell he's doing and breaks the gnome. That that's a pretty good Bobby episode. <laughs> not in a Bobby episode. Yeah, yeah. He's he's playing Secret Service agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. But then so even the little bits of like, we went golfing. I shot three under par. Like you know, that's a good Bobby yeah. bit. But yeah, yeah. So it's nice to see him just kind of like, kind of bust out. And we, I feel like we got vintage Bobby this week, and I'm, I'm in for it. Uh, mm-hmm. I laughed out loud at Luann saying, "You don't have to be college years old to go to college." Um, 
mostly because I'm almost 34 and I'm still in college. That made me happy. Um, Nothing wrong with that. This episode and next episode, we get both get moments of Bill just getting rocked by something. In this episode, it's him just getting totally owned by a kickball. I, that will never not be a pro for me. Bill getting hurt is always a plus. Um, I really enjoyed Dale getting picked last and the fact that he yes. gave himself uh, custom kickball shoes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Custom kickball yeah. shoes. I really enjoyed seeing Redcorn suck at kickball. Um, yes. I feel like I'm talking a lot about kickball here, and maybe that's because I really didn't care for the clowning shit in this episode. But seeing Redcorn get knocked down a peg, it, it you know, it made me literally want to jump up and sing, there's a hole in my shoe where a kickball should go. There's a hole. There's a hole. <laughs> because he can't kick for shit. He can't yeah. catch. He can't kick. He can't do anything. And then he's unapologetic he's no about Thorpe. just, like, letting it go. He's not. Not at all. Um... I also really appreciate that Bobby is a good student when he's interested in something. You know, he, yeah, he yeah. breaks down and does college level work as a 13 year old because he is legitimately and genuinely interested in being a clown. And he's taking everything that Twilly says as asinine as it may be. He's taking it to heart and he's really like committing that shit to memory. And I have to imagine somewhere along the lines in his comedic like repartee in his career he is going to make use of that somehow you know that he's going to start mm -hmm. using the like crusty the clown hey you you, you got to use sounds that have fun words like like or fun fun letters in them like k's k-o-cuck kookamonga like shit like that seattle Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, but you know that he's going to take like some of those lessons to heart and going, he's like, I, I want to see Bobby Hill work the word, work the word sacriliac into something just because it sounds fucking yeah. stupid and he could do it. Those are my pros. What do you got, bud? Um, number one, first pro, the tiny pop sound that Bobby's nose makes when he gives it to a uh, Twilly. I don't uh -huh. know if you caught that. He takes his nose off. There's a wee tiny pop sound. That is like over the moon. Good, like fully work. Hats oh, off yeah. to you guys. Wow. <laughs> I just, that was, I was like, holy shit. Wow. Um, Twilly's animations are, they blew the budget on him. They blew the budget on him and then they bl blew the budget on Bobby Tartufing. Yes. And I guess John Redcorn bricking it, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Just those are very, like, fluid, beautiful, pretty animations, especially out of Twilly, though, and Bobby when he's... Yeah. Bo yeah. Um, Bobby's object work is amazing. That is one thing I did appreciate. He's got... Do you want the regular ketchup, Dad, or the one that weighs 10,000 pounds? That is... Mm -hmm. Like, and that's the problem. Like, that's where clown work is important. And I guess, I don't know if it's clown or mime, or I don't know what you would classify it as. I would cl count it as clown work, you know... Like that, that absurdity of the ketchup's going to be a thousand pounds. How do you do that? That's a clown thing to do. That's not what you're going to learn. Like oh, that yeah. isn't, that ain't no Meisner method. You know what I mean? So like, I think it's appropriate yeah. and part of it. And like to be a well-rounded actor, you need that type of shit. And I'm sorry that I'm going off on acting again as somebody <laughs> who hasn't acted in what? 10 years. Um, so no, that also, it's if, more if of may... a note that, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if I may interject just for half a second, I think it plays to Bobby's strengths because, Mark, what has Bobby always wanted to be? A prop comic. Prop comic. So, of course, he's going to know exactly what to do with props. 
Like I yeah, appreciate so he should already have some pretty solid work there anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, I like I totally fully. I just wanted to like reaffirm you there and just be like, fuck yeah, this was super good. Yeah, yeah. And then to that end a little bit more. Um, so now we've seen Bobby doing, um, prop comedy. He's done stand up, all a traffic yep. school or traffic jam, um, sketch group shit through Propaniacs. Yep. What's What's funniest, Bobby? Ooh. What are you talking about? It's probably like <laughs> the lowest Bobby, but yeah, that's that's the low that's low hanging fruit. Um Ooh, I I don't even know. I'm gonna say Propaniacs, Bobby. Bobby's better when he has something to play against. Okay. Otherwise it's prop comedy, because the prop comedy is the thing he plays against. Like that that's me though. He's not good at stand up, but like nobody's good at stand up until they've got a drug problem. So, um, no, I I would agree. Like his his sketch comedy stuff is almost his improv. Um, no, I would say any any time where he's got in in the chance to improv, like he's Bobby's really good at thinking on his feet, and so he's quick, yeah. Yeah, like I, the the formulaic, hey, I've got my tight five or whatever for stand-up, that's never going to work with him really well. Um, he can do physical comedy, yes, but he's got to kind of work it out a little bit. If he gets the, the chance to just like take something and run with it, I think it's really good. I love his parody songs, the, the Smellow Nose of Texas. Fantastic. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. My Connie Lies Over the Ocean, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> Redcorn's lack of athleticism. You already called that one. So good. I can't, I can't like applaud that enough because I feel like he has been the, the untouchable. Okay. It's John Redcorn. He's giant. He's ripped. He's super into shape. Everybody thinks he's great. And now all of a sudden he gets taken down a peg. It's like watching him the burst man into who tears catch over an something arrow. stupid. Y- yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck Redcorn. <laughs> I'm also glad we didn't get some like bullshit of like. Some bullshit cut of Nancy looking embarrassed. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because it wasn't needed. I just, it's I'm, definitely not needed. I know. I'm just... You know, we are growing as a show, as a series, and I'm kind of glad. Because this, if this was like a season six episode, totally would have happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't, and that's great. Um, last pro, I don't know if, if it's a pro, but Bobby starts to gas out really quick doing Tartuffe. And I think it's funny because he's still a fat kid. Like, yes, this is like, this is better Bobby continuity than mascot Bobby continuity. If that makes sense. Cause there oh, he's yeah. like an unstoppable, like force of unbounded energy in a sweltering suit versus here. He spins around a little bit, does a downward dog pose and it's out of breath. And I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> I love it. Very good. Yeah. Those are my pros. I guess I had more than I thought I did. Yeah, it's good shit. Well, I'm going to jump into cons then. Uh, I don't have too many here, uh, but I'll start out with, I I know that it's part of the episode pacing and that there needs to be an antagonist in every episode, but holy shit, is Twilly just an immediate dickhead to the youngest kid in class? You would think that even like, I don't know, anybody in that position as an educator would be able to go, oh shit, this kid is, he is young. He is 13 years old and he's in this class with a, with people like seven, eight years older than him. Um, and he just like to immediately drills down on him in that first class. Like, 
nope, that's not funny. You need to give me all your shit. You can get it back when, when I, I deem you funny. Um, and I felt like it was, it was just a, a little too abrupt, a little too mean. Um, we're not supposed to like He's punching Twilly. down too far. Exactly. Like we're never, we're never supposed to like Twilly, but I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. to hate him five minutes in. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe We've had I have this professor such... though. Very accurate. Uh, it's, 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 yeah, it is. You know, unfortunately, I um, know that you just had this professor. I'm pretty goddamn sure. Like, oh Jesus! Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, guys, I did. I just did my summer intensive labs. Here, no, I definitely just did my summer intensive labs in Alamosa and got to hang out with with good old Mark here and had one hell of a shithead of a, a professor during this this entire process of of mental health stuff. And it was not a fun time. But this is that is this is not the podcast for that. That's my other podcast <laughs> where I talk about all my fucking traumas. Uh, moving on here, I also really Dang don't old appreciate trauma cast. <laughs> oh god um Dang i don't old appreciate... daddy issues there it is i don't appreciate that the funniest kids in the episode are not bobby like i i find it way more entertaining to watch alejandro and Dooley and clark peters like taping signs to the back of people or joseph laughing at something stupid bobby really isn't get he doesn't get funny to me in this episode he never even reaches the peak of of a sign to someone's back because he's trying too hard and maybe that's part of the episode. But once again, if you're going to hamstring him, I better get a fucking payoff in the end because otherwise I'm just going to walk away from it mad, kind of like I did here. Okay. So those are my cons. What do you got for me? Um, Cons. Randy is the stage manager. It's not a con, but it's weird to see him. Not voiced as yeah. Randy. That's just yeah. We already talked about it, but it was I. It was my. It was a con, so I wrote it down. I thought I'd talk about it. Um, also, con. It's not a con, but it can't be a pro. I like how well Bobby jumps into being that asshole that you knew that took a class in college and suddenly was an expert on it. Yeah, like <laughs> he's not saying that he's or you know like when he's like telling Connie why she's like he's like mansplaining clowning to Connie and. He's clown splaining is what he's doing, but he like that little bit, and he's just instantly a dickhead about it. But then I like all, but yeah, and I kind of like that bit about how well that works because con. We also know people like that. I know people like that about clowns. <laughs> I know people like that about river pirates. It's me right now because I spent all <laughs> fucking week learning about river pirates. <laughs> hey, I know people like that about King of the Hill, so it's it's cool. That's us. But to be fair, we've taken more than, what is this? This is like our second, this would be what, third semester? This would be our third semester, almost fourth if you count summers. My point is like, this has got to be like, we got to be like level 400 of King of the Hill. (laughs) Yes, yes we do. Just based off of like how much we put into this thus far. Anyway, um, that was my only con. I don't have a lot to hate on this episode. Um... I don't know. You got a favorite moment for me? Um, I, I've, my favorite moment is just the, the end. I liked Bobby's okay. return to form at the end of the episode. The fact that he takes the bag of, of stuff that Hank has brought him. Um, he goes back to Bobby and I wrote, I literally wrote in here. I have never wanted a reset for a character so hard. I'm very glad this is a sitcom and that none of this shit is going to matter next week because I did not want this to affect Bobby. This was not funny. Bobby, 
It was painful to watch most of the episode, and I wanted him to go back to being his normal self, which he does at the end. Okay. Um, I you know if I, I don't have a specific moment that is a favorite, it's just like that entire scene. I also really enjoy Hank and Emily's interaction, and her just saying, "Wait here." That guy's running in my hallway, and he goes, "Wait, why? Yeah. What am I doing?" And he actually waits for a second. Yeah, he once takes again, a proving moment, that Emily is recognizes she's the authority, the, and then wait a minute, yeah, yeah, Emily is the ultimate boss of Tom Landry Middle School. It's not, it's not fucking Carl Moss. Emily, uh, what about you, buddy? You got a favorite moment? <laughs> um, Bobby getting scalded at the tea party. I don't know why. That's just. I hope it wants some tea. I, I don't know why. I don't know why that's my favorite moment, but it is. Like, I want some tea so long as it does not scald. Oh, it scalds. It scalds. I don't know why. I just, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> um. Well, rating system then, buddy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to break it down for us unless you, uh, unless you want to. I don't have a cute one, so take her away, man. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, well, I kind of want to do Damn this it. rating of my, my own personal view of, uh, of comedy because I, okay. I can be kind of a dickhead about comedy. So at the very lowest is improv because improv is fucking terrible and no one enjoys watching it. That's a charcoal. Charcoal episodes are uh, unwatchable. They're awkward, they're not fun, they do terrible things to the people that are in them, and uh, for some reason, everybody seems to think that it's the lifeblood of things. Charcoals are terrible. The next step up from charcoal would be... Uh, well, I'm going to say clown work. Because once again, I really don't okay. like that, but I like it a little bit better than improv. That's our Megalo okay. rating. A Megalo is kind of like our bronze tier. A Megalo episode of King of the Hill is, uh, it, it doesn't have much better, much more than a charcoal. You might go back to it, but you're definitely not seeking this one out. If it's on, you may turn it off. You may not. Uh, they're just, they're not very good representations of what King of the Hill is. After that, you have our butane level. And for butane comedy, this is... Um, your Big Bang Theory, your friends, your laugh track comedies, sitcoms, if you will, um, they're okay. middle of the road. It's you love to hate them, you hate to love them. Um, everybody's got their favorites. Everybody has their 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 worsts. For me, my absolute favorite laugh track comedy is probably Seinfeld. Um, it's really not all that funny, and the, the laugh tracks definitely don't help on it. But it is what it is. My most hated happens to be Friends because I don't find it funny at all. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna have a bunch. You put of people Friends like, over Big Bang Theory, really? I I would I would rather watch the entirety of Big Bang Theory than in than a season of Friends. Join us next like, week when Johnny and I God. get into um, I'll be banged for you, where we take an episode of Friends and an episode of Big Bang Theory and see which one is better. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, good Lord. Any, <laughs> anyway, right, butane is it's okay. our middle of the road. Um, you're you're going to watch it. It's it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fine. Um, our Char King. This is some of our, our best episodes of King of the Hill. You need a little bit of context to fully enjoy them. Uh, but other than that, they're, they're going to have great guest stars, great stories. They're going to take the sitcom trope, and they're going to expand upon it. Um, for me, this is most of Fox's adult animation lineup. So this is King of the Hill, The Simpsons, Futurama, uh, any of the classic shit from the 90s and 2000s that we all grew up on. Even old family guys, I'll go as far as to say that, even though I really don't like Seth MacFarlane and a lot of his work. 
Um, okay. Charkings are are good. They're great. They're fantastic and wonderful. If you and I both agree that it's a charking, then it becomes a charking imperial. And we're actually going to say that like King of the Hill is up there. It's our imperial. Um, the only thing okay, missing okay. is that you you need a little bit of context to understand the characters and to understand some of the stories and, and shit like that. After that, we only have one better than that, and that is our Blue Flame of Valor. And for comedy, for pageantry, for everything else, if you guys couldn't guess what Mark and I have been like binging, just ha- haven't been, hasn't been able to get out of our brains for the last month, month and a half, um, it is the D. It is Tenacious D. You cannot get any better than the the rock duo comedy that is Tenacious D. The skits, the songs, the pageantry of it all, the giant inflatable uh, uh, a Satan that, that ejaculates confetti over everybody in the middle of a show. <laughs> Guys, you're never going to find anything better than it. It's going to last with you forever, and you're going to thank your fucking lucky stars that you got a chance to spend three days in Kansas City with your best friend. Blue Flames Goddamn of Valors right, are where the fuck it's at. Um, they are the absolute pinnacle representation of what King of the Hill is, what TV should be. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't done a cute one like that in a long time. So I'm going to toss, toss my blue flame of valor to you, buddy, and ask you on a scale of charcoal to blue flame, what do you give portrait of the artist as a young clown? Well, initially I rated this as a butane. I kind of just thought it was a middle of the road episode and it might be because I'm in a really shitty mood and watched it like right before we recorded this this morning and my only thought was why did I eat pizza last night I have heartburn but <laughs> oh, in no. talking to you <laughs> I was so fucking I like woke up at 4am I'm like I want to die <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was like hey dude I don't think that we can probably we, we should probably just stick with one this week anyway 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 um no I was gonna be all mad at it and just call it a butane and say that it's a rehash of an old episode and it's another clowning episode and go watch the American Dad one where Roger teaches clowning and it's hilarious or go watch Homer as Krusty the Clown that one's even better but you know what that doesn't count because that's an adult man going to clown college as a side gig this is a child expanding his knowledge of comedy and it's better than that so to that end I'm giving it a Char King um Ooh, there's a okay. lot of good. There, so there's a lot of good in this episode. It also is just like solidly decent as an episode because uh, you know what? This is that B plot we've been hunting for for so long that does nothing at all. That doesn't add anything. That doesn't subtract anything. And literally that ball bounces away. Like that's an, ama- it's it's an amazing B plot. Yeah, it's great. Like the B plot is fantastic. The A plot is fantastic. An amazing use of Paul F. Tompkins as Twilly. He's an amazing antagonist yes. slash asshole slash most relatable character we've ever seen. Cause we've all had that professor that's such an ass about it. And like, they just decided to pick you. Um, and it's great. Like a lot of good really- body growth. And really too, I like Hank going, I don't think you're funny, but the notes that you're t- teachers send home say that the kids in your class do hank is endorsing bobby he's saying my boy ain't right but he's all i got and i love my boy and man it's a char king oh that's that's beautiful man i love the way you explain that no i really i really do because i hadn't put together you and i talk and gush about how how a good bobby and hank ending is what makes an episode for someone and so like I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that because yeah that one final line there is just a holy shit Hank is accepting of him, well damn yeah. I I gave it a butane and I kind of want to give it a char king but I don't know if it's imperial worthy because I know I didn't like it that much. Um, well, I, I felt. Super, did you laugh? I ha ha. Okay. Did, did you ha ha? Did you ha ha when Bill got balled to the face and 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 or? <laughs> yes. 
Dale struck out John Redcorn? I, I did it achieve the it, okay. ha ha. It's a, it's a you know what? If nothing else, dude, Paul. You know what? If nothing else, we have like we have based better ratings on a guest star. Like, um, yeah. Oh shit! Who was it? I cannot remember the episode. And just the guest star's presence there boosted the entire thing because of how well they were used. And conversely, um, Fat and uh, Furious Alan like. It was Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. There you are. Yeah, Joust Like a Woman. Yeah, like that boosted our rating altogether. Like, so I would even throw in PFT as hell yeah, dog. Like, God. Okay, I'm giving it a charking then. It's an Imperial, and I really, I yes, I feel weird doing that, and you swayed me. But honestly, like my own, my only issues with this are my own personal shit, and it's because I have such a weird relationship with my theater education and clowning. I literally wrote in here, "Am I the problem?" Question mark. So, fuck it. Uh, guys, go watch this episode. Go enjoy something that... Hey, uh, Johnny, knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Uh, who's there? Banana. Uh, b- banana who? Knock, knock. Damn it, Mark. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. All right, this is getting old. Knock, who? Who's there? Who's there, Mark? Aren't you glad you're back here at the Dangle Podcast with your buddies Mark and Johnny? <laughs> yes, yes, I am for episode one ninety two. I know, I, I know, I screwed it up, but I don't even care. <laughs> it's cool. We're here back for episode one ninety two. Orange, you sad? I did say banana? Question mark. Original air date December eleventh, two thousand and five. This is written by Dan Sterling. Mark, where did we see Dan Sterling last on King of the Hill? You might remember Dan Sterling from such episodes as A Rover Runs Through It, which you just mentioned, which is a really weird continuity slash synchronicity on our end. Damn Henry Winkler. (laughs) God damn Henry Henry Winkler. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, God damn it. I just said it again. Wonderful. (laughs) Fucking Bobby Hill. Our cast of characters for this episode. Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale Gribble, Boomhauer, Bill Dibatrive, Joseph Gribble, Connie, Khan, and Min Supanusenbone. Ted and Cindy Wasanasong and Nguk Fong. I really am sorry if I... I'm going to butcher the fuck out of some Laotian names in this episode and, like, You said it words. right. You said it right. You're yeah, good. But that is, that's the only one I know I said right. Um, so that's neither here nor there. Uh, I, guys, I'm going to fuck this up, and I apologize, but I'm trying, and I'm trying to be respectful. I hope you all know that. Um... Synopsis, Ted and Khan rediscover their Laotian roots by joining a militia group training to take back Laos via guerrilla warfare. Um, I, I left out the stuff about the the pool, I guess. I mean, it's kind of like a means to an end in this episode, yeah? Okay, it's a framing device, yeah. Yeah, it ties I... in the A and B plot together, the B plot being that Bobby learns CPR. I was going to ask if there even weeks, was a B plot because which, I didn't have one in here. So, okay. Yeah. Well, so I took that as I took the entire B plot as the frame for this because it gives us our uh, time frame. Okay. Um Khan is yes anded into Proud Boy, whatever Proud Boy is in Laotian in 2 weeks time. It takes about 2 weeks to radicalize Khan. Okay. Because Bobby gets his cert and then Khan has the, you know, and then he gives him like, I, I went to school on a Saturday. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So we have two weeks is our like scope for this episode. Okay. Uh, well, so then that's our B story or A story characters, uh, Khan and Ted. 
Uh, and Nguk, if you want to really get into it. Um, I do want to point out here that Nguk Fong is, he's played by a Chinese actor named James C. S-I-E. Um, and yep. I looked up some of his other stuff. He's He's been in a bunch of different things, but Mark, do you recall Jackie Chan Adventures? We have talked about this man before, and I cannot remember the episode that... I want to say River Runs Through It, but I, or not River Runs Through It, Jesus Christ. I want to say... Um, the Nine Rivers episode, but I don't think that's it. Okay. Uh, no, he's somebody who he we we lost our minds on it, and now it's really pissing me off that we can't remember. But yeah, I remember him in Jackie Chan. Okay. Because he's Jackie Chan. He's not Jackie oh, Chan. Is Jackie you know, Chan? He's, 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 he, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, he's not. No, sorry. Here's what. Here's what it is. Sorry. Jackie Plan. <sighs> Jackie Plan plays. Okay. Here we go. One more time. <laughs> Sorry. And a one and a two and a one, two, three. Jackie Chan plays Jackie Chan in the live action cuts, but he's voiced by James Say because Jackie Chan's accent is so bad in American television, you can't understand him. Um, but you might remember James Say as Irrawaddy in Fat and Furious. He's Irrawaddy. Okay. okay. We have talked about this man before, and I remember losing my shit because he was in, he was that, like, yeah. So I didn't realize that he was Jackie Chan's voice in that, but that makes me really happy. He's also the voice of um, Chow, he, the character Chow in Jackie Chan Adventures. Adventures. He's the uh, enforcer mm. for the Dark Hand that wears the the orange sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's also in Avatar: The Last Airbender. He's the cabbage merchant. That's right. That's the other thing, and we lost our mind with that. <laughs> Future Mark, find a My Cabbages joke and throw it in there. My Cabbages! So, I, I wanted to point that out. He's, he's kind of our guest star for this episode. Um, and he's not huge. Like, he's been on... He, definitely, he's been on King of the Hill before if he was Irrawaddy. Um, but I like pointing out those those extra voice actors for us. Um, let's hop into some notes, man. Yeah, let's do her. Um... Uh, first note. I didn't take a lot of notes, dude. I'm sorry. You're first good. one is we got a music cue. It's uh, Footloose. Yes, yes we do. By Kenny Loggins. By Kenny Loggins. Um, no. Fuck you, Ted. Just fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got something to say about Man, that. We oh, are yeah. Really, oh, we are really, really... A, couple, a, a, a long time ago, I don't know what episode, we talked about, like, who's the best... Well, we've talked about it a couple times. Who's the best villain in King of the Hill? And we yeah. keep coming back to Ted. And man, I think Ted Wasana's song is the best villain in King of the Hill. Ooh, it is solidified like, in this episode. Oh man, terrible. Um, I wonder how Min feels about Nguk. So her father was a general. I looked into a little bit of Laotian history, and guys, I will be honest, this is a massive blind spot for me. Um, but in the 1960s, post-Viet... So post... So, okay, so number one, Laos has a really checkered past with America because we bombed the shit out of it. Right. We bombed the shit out of them in Cambodia during Vietnam because they um, were, we well, because Henry Kissinger said that they were harboring um, uh, 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 Vietnamese troops. Uh, they weren't. We were just pieces of shit. It was well, to prolong the war. It was a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a really bad thing. Before that, um, they were also under French rule, like Vietnam, but not quite the same. It wasn't as strict, but they still overthrew the French. Okay. Um, and then there was a guy who was in power from like 1960 until he died in 1992. Okay. 
and that was the so and then so there was a pretty solid division between like the communists and like the government that was installed and then local rebels so my problem is is that nguk is a he's a guerrilla fighter right yeah versus min's dad who is a like state appointed general yeah so I wonder really how Min feels about all this. And really, I'm kind of like drawing parallels to shit that I'm probably not qualified at all to talk about. But like I said, I did kind of a crash course in it. And I just kind of wanted to like pick your brain a little bit. Like Min is against this, but like she doesn't like she doesn't like call out the general. Like if this was like, you know, party member Min, she'd probably kill him. Right. Like that's. You know, I don't know. I just, it's a weird moment for me. Oh, for um, sure. We also know that, like, Min was a terror of the villagers. Like, I I even like to think that, like, this dude would know who Min was tangentially. Like, why wouldn't you know the daughter of the man, you know, it, like, who's it, probably one of your biggest Yeah, enemies? no, exactly. Why didn't Nguk, like, make a comment to that effect of, oh, look at who you married. No wonder you're a banana. Like, something, yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Like, yeah. Anything like that. And again, it's like more geopolitical than King of the Hill has any business getting into. But yeah. Anyway, where the hell did all these Laotians come from? In Man Without a Country Club, we talk a lot about how like, you know, Khan is one of like two Laotian people in Arlen and he's alone and he's got nothing and he's got nothing. And like now they're just everywhere. Is it like Arlen is becoming a like, like a safe haven for Laos? not safe haven just like it's a popular spot like hey man there's a lot of cool white people here they don't really care what you do um we got this bitchin ass country club if you're from An- anaheim get your asses up here like okay you know so i i, I like to imagine that ted is kind of like influencing like no you should definitely move here it will be better for you and your family like yeah he's trying to like grassroots like gentrify arlen laotian style i think it'd be cool okay um, Speaking of grassroots, guess who still has a goddamn job and hasn't been recalled yet? That's right. Councilman <laughs> Fred Ebert. Oh, man. Yep, 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 yep. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> um, finally, this is either the greatest continuity through line we have in King of the Hill or a glaring con. Okay. Um, I, w- I need you to go back to that last scene, right? Okay. Hey, or Bill is choking on a hot dog, right? Bobby, right. not again, Mr. Dotrieve. Heim looks him back to life, right? Yeah. We pan out and we reveal the source of that hot dog. What is Min grilling on, Johnny? Because it's sure shooting in a propane range. Ooh, I would have to imagine it is mesquite. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a it's a red kettle uh, charcoal grill. So <laughs> interesting. <laughs> either he's either she's giving that hog anus the nice flavor of mesquite, or Hank just is letting Khan do whatever he wants in his own backyard, which I think is amazing. Which he I, should I be doing. I just saw that and I was like, yeah. a... but you know, like, it, it's that fucking bit about, like, I made that grill out of two other grills. And, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, Hank is grilling with charcoal. And everyone loses their fucking shit. No one calls this episode. No one cites this episode. No one says anything about this. No. Like, how long? Okay, so either either the, the, the uh, Super Newsome Pones have li- lived next to the hills for ten years now, or one year according to that bullshit, like, trailer ending that we got or several years depending right but in this whole time there's st- hank still hasn't converted con to propane and i love that i just i think that's great i think that's amazing and right there in his own backyard too man and like whoo whoo that's so good that's right just, next door i know i'm reading a lot into nothing at all for a sight gag but 
God damn it, I'm going to read a lot. And I think it all for a sight gag. Well, um, we also know how much Khan loves to yank Hank's chain. So he could definitely be doing it just for that. Like if you, if we want to keep reading into yeah. it, he, Khan is the type of person that would, he'd be like, oh, it really make that hit Billy mad if I use charcoal or mesquite. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like I just, it's great. Um, final note here. And I think I already answered my own question, but who's the best wife on rainy street? Uh, men. We're saying up to, we're saying up to right now. Not like we're going to pretend that all the, like, we're going to say that Nancy's been really making up for it lately. <laughs> Which she has. Uh, men. You're going to say men? I'm going to say, if I had to pick out of all of them on Rainy Street to be my wife, it would be men. Because she's like, she's basically the most loyal, the most grounded, the most educated, if it feels like, out of all of them. The one that, that has the most adventurous fun. I, I'm taking men all day. Okay. Okay. I, I said men too. I was just kind of, I kind of <laughs> knew what we were both going to say, but I didn't know. Hey, she rocked my world. Oh, she would approach me in the back of my pickup and go, let's make possum pay it all night. And I'd be like, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she bring you an ice cold back. <laughs> Johnny, what do you got for me, buddy? <laughs> um, you already hit Footloose by Kenny Loggins, oh. but did you catch the other music cue in here when they go, when they pan back right at the I... end? Yeah, I know what it is, but I don't know the name of the song. But so I recognize it a ton. Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen. Uh, I'm going to throw out uh, my lady wizard here and just say she is the person I go to when it comes to anything 80s or 90s pop reference because she is almost immediately going to know what they are at any given point in time. That's just like her weird superpower. Um, okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. But she helped me look that up today. Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen. It's It's like... It brings me back to memories of going to the pool as like a five, six, seven year old, like the water park. And it's just blaring over mm-hmm. the loudspeakers with I saw the sign and shit like that. I'm like, OK, this is just fucking pool music. Okay. It's fine. It's great. Um, okay. For me personally, the ultimate status symbol, how I will know that I have made it, that I am successful, that I am affluent and rich. It's not a Lamborghini in my garage. It's not a 20 story house. It's not owning a shitload of real estate with nothing better to do than just like raise a bunch of cattle on it. You want it is, buddy? It's a fucking in-ground pool uh, in my cool. backyard. <laughs> Hell yeah. Anybody that has an in-ground pool that they can have at any given point, like they can just jump into at any given point. It's always maintained. It's never got weird green crap growing into it. It's always chlorinate, chlorinated and it's always fucking heated. That is how I will know that I have made it as a human and that I am one of the fucking cultural elite. I will have an in-ground pool. It's going to be great. But it's got to be an in-ground? It can't be an above-ground? Oh, fuck no. Above-ground is for... The, the, the above-ground pools have names like the Hick Tub and the Tinkler. There it was. That's what <laughs> I wanted you to say. <laughs> and what if it wasn't a pool at all, but some type of barn? <laughs> tis, no, tis no pool, English. Anyway, Mark... Listeners... Here's what we're going to do. Tell us your favorite Simpsons episodes. And me and Johnny are just going to watch them so we can talk about goddamn Simpsons instead of talking about goddamn Simpsons in a King of the Hill podcast. Because, like, I think creatively Johnny and I need to talk about Simpsons. I don't know. I, it's it's so tangential because we so many of our, like, weird sense memories from King of the Hill are also sense memories from The Simpsons because they fucking came on right after each other. Yeah. I blame that. Yeah, right. My last note here, because... 
Ted is such a dickhead to Khan about not recognizing what uh, what Lao Holiday is currently happening or some shit like that. So I thought it would be fun to just cherry pick a couple from the Wikipedia on Lao Laotian holidays. So Lao holidays. So I've got three okay. of them here that I want to tell you about. Uh, first off is Bun Maka Busa. I, like I said, I guys, I don't speak Laotian, so please forgive me if I fucking butcher that. Um, this is a ceremony that takes place on the full moon, full moon to commemorate the speech given by the Buddha to 12,050 enlightened monks. They had all gathered with no organization or prior warning. In the evening, people visit a temple and circle the Wat three times with candles in a ceremony known as the Vientan. Um, I thought that was super cool. I love the idea that just like 1,200 cool. monks just randomly showed up to hear, hear the Buddha. And it just happened. I think that's super awesome. Um, th- so the next one I found here is Bun Song Wa. It's held at different times in late summer or early fall in every riverside town. It celebrates the end of Buddhist Lent, the Vientin Boat Race Festival. So Vientin and Sava Kanet. Oh, yeah. It's this. It's held the second weekend in October. The Long Prabat boat races are held in early September along the Nam Khan with a major market day preceding the races and festivities throughout the night on race day. Um, I remember hearing about the boat races. Like I have definitely heard of that before. I didn't realize that it was Laotian. I thought it was just something in Southeast Asia. Like I thought it was a practice. They all of all of those countries did, and they might all have a version of it, but I didn't realize there was a specific Lao holiday for it. I'm like, this is fucking cool. Okay. Uh, And then the last one here, Yeah, it's super neat. Uh, the last one here we have already talked about on King of the Hill. So this makes me, makes me really happy. Bon Pimai. Celebrated for three days, the most important celebration of the year. Throwing buckets on water on passersby. The best festival is the Long Prabang festivities, which include procession, a fair, a sandcastle competition along the Mekong, and a Miss New Year pageant. Folk performances, cultural shows. This is the Laotian New Year. So yeah, happy PMI, Mark. I if I was I, there, I would just <laughs> splash the shit out of you with some water to wash away the old gear and bring in the new. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Happy PMI. Happy PMI. Um, I'm definitely. <laughs> God damn it. I'm definitely going to talk about more of this in in our wrap up for this episode. But because we're right here, I want to I want to say something. This episode. I do not remember really caring for it all that much. And regardless of how I end up rating it at the end, I do want to make a statement that I would not know about Laos. I wouldn't know anything about Laotian culture. I probably wouldn't even give two shits about anything this country does without this show. But I know a lot about this and I care about this now. And this show helped me find this culture. And so I will forever be eternally grateful I try and be as multicultural as I can because I think that is the most beautiful thing about our entire fucking planet, that we're all humans and we all have weird, cool, different ways of doing things, and yet we are all fundamentally the same. I I believe in celebrating Mm -hmm. these fucking differences. And this show, just, I mean, even this episode gave me just an excuse to go and look up all these really cool Laotian holidays and, and go, holy shit, if I was to ever go on a vacation, I would probably... I would probably go in one of these three holiday moments. Like I know I would go and check out some of this cool shit. Um, I would love to go to PMI. That sounds like a real kick in the ass. Right. And so I want to express my gratitude towards King of the Hill for putting Laotian culture 
on such a pedestal for so many episodes because we've gotten like three or four of them now that are about Laos. And I never would have known about this little little country ever without them. And because of yeah. this show, I yeah. now do. And so, like I said, gratitude. Gratitude for me as somebody who wants to be multicultural. You let me experience a culture I never would have found before. With that being said, that's sappy as shit. <laughs> accessible way. Like, yes. Um, how many how many other people got to learn about Laos? Because, you know, how many other people know that Laos is a small landlocked country south of China? Yeah. Stupid. Like, you know. <laughs> right, and this is, we learned all of this shit. I knew about Laos before the internet. Like, I would never have known or thought yeah. to go and pick up an encyclopedia and read about Laotian culture. Like, I never would have. Um, growing up, my younger brother, his uh, his best friend in high school is, is from Laos. Like, or his family is from Laos. And I was just, I was super fascinated by, like, so wait, I want you to tell me about your culture. I want you to tell me about this cool shit because I'd known about it from King of the Hill and he and I developed a yeah. really good friendship t- throughout the years. And so, I, yeah, I, I made a friend because King of the Hill turned me on to a culture I'd never heard of before. And that's, that's fucking cool. That's so fucking cool to me. Um, oh, God, yeah. I, I appreciate this show so much for that. So I, I had to and say it, you know, yeah. respectful and loving too. It's not like they're not parodying anything. They're not like, right. You know, it, we're, we're not learning a very special lesson about why we need to respect PMI, you know, like, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, anyway, the rant, rant over gratitude over. I, I, I was just struck by, there's so much Laotian culture in this episode that it just it made me realize just how much I have learned from watching a fucking TV show about another country, and that was super cool to me. Kind of weird, huh? Yeah. Um, Mark, give me give me some pros, man. Um, some pros. My dreams are shattered. Mine too. Have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great moment. Um, a, a f- bro, the pool building scene. It's been a goddamn minute since we got to watch the guys like have an actual project project. Yeah. Um, I want to say what new cowboy on the block when they were redoing Hank's driveway, right? No, no. Enrique Silable differences. That's his, that's his driveway. That, um, thank you. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you were right. Yeah. <laughs> right project. Wrong episode. There you are. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> halfway right. Halfway wrong. Like all Americans at any given moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just glad to see the guys have a project again. It's really cool to see them do shit. I like, this is what I like about King of the Hill is like, I remember watching the show as a kid and like, man, these guys get really horned up to do projects and we get to see them doing a project and it's it's great. You oh, just, yeah. Good job, Dan Sterling, because at least you gave the guys something to do instead of like, well, let's go to Mexico and buy bad beer. <laughs> like, goddamn. <laughs> Which, I, don't get me wrong, I love that episode, but hey, we can also still do shit on Rainy Street, you know? It's true. Um, Just general sweeping pro, Toby Huss in this episode, fucking hey, he is... He's like, got okay, some range, so, man. So our minds were blown... And again, we're bad about this. We run a King of the Hill podcast and we don't know who any of the goddamn voice actors are. But like, um, we were both shocked to find out that Toby Huss does both Ted and Khan and the range number one. And then I was kind of wondering like, well, is Nguk also Toby Huss? No, it's not. It's James Say, Sai. We just talked about that. Right. Um, but like, so the range between the two, yes. But then also Khan does Ted. Yeah. 
and like oh yeah we so we, yeah we get I a just, moment where toby oh, Huss does, does ted toby Huss does con and then he does con doing ted and you can yeah, tell yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just ted it's amazing it's amazing character work i um i know That's, that you yeah. kind of have that bugaboo about toby Huss and all that good shit i don't even care at this point like I, I defy you to find me a better actor for this character. Like, maybe, maybe you took a role, but like at the same time, I, I honestly think the role went to the best man in this case. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for sure, for sure. I ten seasons yeah. in, it, it, you know what? It can't matter. You can't be mad. It, it, it's going to be one of those things that either you're mad about throughout, and yet you know totally taints your experience, and then you let yourself get bogged down in the politics of now versus the politics of then, or you can watch it and go, yeah. God damn, there it is, and that's what's up, and god damn, there it is, that's what's up this episode. Like, he does so well. And also, 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 just like, I, I don't speak Laotian, I'm sorry, but like, I'm assuming any time that it's spoken, they're doing it correctly. I am as well, you know? because yeah, I don't speak Laotian. No, not a lick. Like, I, I barely can understand like 20 words in Japanese, like, but... And, and, you know, even too, a side tangential shout out to Lauren Tom. Um, She crushes it as Min and also crushes it as Connie. Just not the same. Like, what is it? I laid A. She's really good as both of them. Um, We get that a lot where, like, we have the same character just crushing two at once. And that's amazing. But, man, I this week is really good. And then I liked a little bit, too, of, like, you know, her daughter doesn't speak Laotian, so he tries saying something and... Connie goes, wait a minute, are you are you telling me goodnight or are you swearing at me? Like, yeah, because it's Khan. So is he calling her a broiled ox penis because she fucked up her Bach? Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Those are my pros. I know I kind of went off on a voice actory tangent there, but I no, really, it's good. like I really, really, really appreciated Toby Huss this week. He did he, an amazing job. He and gets our blue flame for the week for sure. Holy shit. He gets my mini golf fap of valor. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I'm gonna jump into my pros here. Nguk is he's perfectly unsettling. Like he is exactly how I imagine yes. a a South Asian dictator or like guerrilla fighter or something like that. Somebody who has seen the shit. But ex- exactly, like he is, he's brought up, and they go, "Yep, he is this famous dude who was in this, like he led this famous rebel force." Um, Khan's line of "Sorry, all your buddies died." Yes. I'm like, oh God, that's, that's a terrifying <laughs> thing. Um, but he is, he like yeah. carries that aura about him. I'm like, holy shit. Okay. Um, our second instance this week of Bill getting rocked by something and it's him talking about how important a helmet is and then just immediately taking one to the chest by a shovel. That is almost funnier than the kickball in last episode. Really? Can we talk about that really quick? Yes. Uh, so you like that better than kickball? I think I do, mostly because it's it's one, it's more painful, and two, I think it's a better setup because I I like the the I like the misdirection of it of it's my head and, you, and you're expecting Bill to just get smacked on the head or something to like just totally take him out on the head and all this stuff and then the misdirect is oh yep you're just gonna get not like it's not even something small it's a straight up shovel to the chest yeah. Like anybody other than the okay. bulldozer would be okay. getting impaled by that, but it's the bulldozer, so he just gets really hurt. Well, r- walrus height is thick. Famously, <laughs> walrus height is thick. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I I thought it was okay. great. 
What do you think is the better one? See, I I don't know. I disagree. I like the kickball one because I feel like it's better set up. I feel like that entire, I'm wearing a helmet because you know exactly what's going to happen. They telegraph it from a mile away. He's going to get hurt. But, like, you expect him to get hurt in kickball. If we had a kickball episode and Bill didn't get hurt, it wouldn't be, we, 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 you'd be mad about it. You know, like, you would actually, you would out and out con that, like, Bill didn't fuck up during the kickball episode. Yeah. Versus this one, and it just kind of happens. And to me, this is like, uh, I'd say bluegrass is always greener, Bill. And Bill, spit that out. Like, he's just there <laughs> to be the butt of a joke. Okay. And I really don't care for it. Because why? why is Dale's grip so bad that he can't? shovel like oh i don't think it's a bad dale grip i think he intentionally does it to him i don't think he does why would he intentionally no why would he no 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 the ballistics bud like even the ballistics are weird because it comes up from down and okay uh, you're gonna we're gonna zapruder film we're gonna kind of zapruder film this but i don't know i don't want to think about it too hard lest i get weird but like the shovel comes from back and to the left Okay. And yeah. Bill was driving down Dealey Plaza. I don't anyway. No, I just I, I prefer kickball bill to this bill because this bill seems like they're just alright, here's Bill. We need to fill some time. Hurt him. Alright. This isn't Falcon Attack Bill. Like No, it's this not. This isn't like because it needs to be both unearned slash what you're expecting, but also also you can't set it up like this is my point, I think. Nothing's ever going to be quite as perfect as, as Bill screaming, I'm a fireman, and totally just beefing it into the middle of the alley. Breaking it like that. Yeah, breaking <laughs> it like that. And he just does it because it's like a natural character thing that would happen. Getting attacked by a falcon. I don't know if that's natural or not, but I'm going to say it is. Yeah. Versus this, and it's like... I set up a line. I had this stupid quip. Fuck you. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's, eh. that was my point, but it's interesting for the point counterpoint. And that's why we're here. What else you got? Buddy? Exactly. Sorry to totally derail there. No, you're good to each their own, man. Um, I, it's a pro here that this episode showed to me just how good of a Laotian man Khan really is. He speaks his native language. He celebrates Pimai. He is the whole fucking reason I know that Laos is a country. He is a great representative for the Laotian community. Fuck, dude. You just brought up, um, um, oh God, what's his name? I'm scrolling up here. Uh, you just brought up James Say. And the fact that yes. Khan knows and celebrates a Laotian noodle champion in Irrawaddy. Like, Irrawaddy, yeah. He is very fucking proud of Laos, of his Laotian heritage. He made Irrawaddy a fucking sweater. Like, yes. So, uh, I, yes, you know, yeah. Ted is a piece of shit in this episode, but I love that at the, at the end of this, Khan eventually gets over that hurdle of, I'm going to embrace my culture and thanks for getting me back to my roots. I'm going to go back to do my own shit now because he is a good Laotian man. So that's a huge pro to me that I could, I could think of like four different instances throughout this series that he has proven that he is still connected to his heritage. Um, <laughs> I thought this was fun and I've been trying to keep like a mental tally on what states Hank likes and which ones he doesn't. And I loved in this episode that he talks about <laughs> wanting to visit Indiana because like, is that crazy? <laughs> it's like, it's like Indiana is in the middle there. We know he likes Montana. We know he likes Texas. We know he hates California and we know he hates New York. So it's like, cool. Indiana yeah. is like in the middle there. Um, I don't remember if he talks about liking Arizona or not. I, Knowing Hank, probably not, but eh, who knows? But I thought that he was might. great. Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, it's. I mean, it's better than Oklahoma. It's. Oh yeah, we know he hates Oklahoma. Go Sooners. Um, the painting that Khan bought, where he talks talks to Ted and he talks to Nguk about, oh, I bought painting from Laotian artist. You can see that in multiple frames of this show in the end of this episode. It is on their wall. You can mm. see the person in the rice paddy. And I thought that was a super fucking okay. cool like bit of continuity. It's in at least two scenes, but specifically the one where Min and Connie are like, ah, oh, we're going to Whataburger. He's gone. Like you can see it on the wall in the background. Yeah. Like it's very distinct. Oh, I, right on. Good looking out, man. Yeah. I also, and my last, my last pro here is I love that the juxtaposition of communist dictators to homeowners associations is like, they're the fucking same. <laughs> And that is fan-fucking-tastic <laughs> writing because fuck HOAs, man. <laughs> can I can I tangent off that really quick? Please do, because that's my last pro here. Just in that line. So, like, you know you know Pol Pot, the, 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 the Khmer Rouge dictator that, like, just devastated Cambodia. Oh, yes, um, yes. Shot, shot anybody that wore glasses because he viewed them as intellectual. Um one of his big points was that landlords should be made illegal because owning more land than you need is a piece of shit move. And it's like, ooh, fuck. <laughs> it's, and it's, it's one of those things like sometimes the worst person you know has a good take. Uh-huh. And sometimes you're going to find yourself agreeing with Pol Pot because, yeah, landlords are fucking assholes and they should be made illegal. Like, But also HOAs. Mm. Fuck but, HOAs, oh, dude. Um, oh man. <laughs> well, give me, let's see. Did we get to your pros? Uh, we did my pros. I think I'm on to cons. Let's get some cons, buddy. Well, my first con I already talked about shovel strike. Why? Question mark. Oh, cause <laughs> it's funny to hit bill. I didn't guffaw and I didn't even ha. So fuck that bit. That's a con. I did. <laughs> I know you did, but that's what we're here for is dichotomy. Um, Speaking of dichotomy, Johnny, sometimes there's things that people like, and sometimes there's things that people don't like, and sometimes there's things where people ban it outright because it makes no goddamn sense, but God said it was cool. Leading me to my next con of Footloose. Fuck the movie. Footloose. Fuck every single moment of the movie. Footloose. The fact that I know the song Footloose by Kenny Loggins exists, and then I get to watch stupid goddamn (laughs) Kevin Bacon dancing like a dumb fuck in a warehouse in my head. That's just ingrained in my head. That's just ingrained in my goddamn head. Fuck you, Footloose. Fuck you, Kevin Bacon. Fuck you, John Lithgow. Fuck every one of you collectively. Fuck you, what, Jennifer Grey, right? Um, Whichever one was in Red Dawn, but then wasn't the other one in Red Dawn. I don't even care. Fuck that movie, Footloose. Con out of me. And finally, more egregious and more upsetting and more triggering and more triggering than Footloose. Fuck ketchup on steak. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good call. That's a good pull, buddy. Especially, especially if you're fucking doing it on mesquite that gave it the nice taste of wood and you're going to put the nice taste of tomato on it. Mm, shame. Shame yes. at you. I'm shame fingering men right now. That little like carrot peeler shame. Mm. Oh, but didn't you know that that steak isn't just choice, Mark? It's prime. Oh. Okay, okay. You know what? I guess like side pro, (laughs) having fuck you money, having fuck you money to buy prime steak and then put ketchup on it. (laughs) Sure, but. That's like, it's like grinding up a Wagyu so you can make a fucking hamburger. Oh, man. Um, Those are my cons. I really, really made a point to not focus on why this episode is so problematic and bad. Because it is problematic and bad in its own right, but like, 
I just kind of liked it. I really sat and watched. Okay. Uh, enjoyed. I really liked the ending, I guess. But, like, well, I also, when you do a podcast with somebody for almost two years, you kind of understand the beats they're going to hit. And I kind of was anticipating you to rail a little bit harder about, like, Toby Huss as Khan and Ted. But I guess you're not going to, so. I'm not. That's cool. I'm not. Like, it's not going to be a con for me at all. Is it continuity for you at this point? Like, we talked last week about how we're just not going to really, like, look at continuity anymore because it's just going to be the way it happens. Like, we didn't mention how Lucky wasn't here, but also we don't need Lucky to show up. But, like, you know, we have Luann, so is it weird that he wasn't here? I don't know, because she's still... These little bits, so... I think we're... Yeah, but I think we're just kind of changing as a show a little bit, and that's kind of... We are... growing, too. I honestly... So, when it comes to... To Toby Huss specifically, I'm going to take a stance that I have the ability to take because I'm a fucking white man and I'm not a member of the Laotian culture. If you are from Laos and you disagree with me, then I need you to fucking tell me so. Um, But until then, this is my stance. Toby Huss did con, he did Ted, and it's in the past. If this has affected you like Apu affected a bunch of fucking Indians throughout The Simpsons and continues to affect you, if this made a lasting impact on Laotian culture in a negative way, you have to fucking stand up and say something. Going forward, from here on out, I understand why they're not going to have him back. I get it. That's not how Hollywood works anymore, but it is how they worked in the past. So I am here to respect the work that he did in the past. It is what it is. That is how things used to be done. Unless it directly affected you and made it made it so that people saw your people as a joke, as every Laotian person is now either Khan or Ted, that's the only fucking option you get with La- Laotians, then I, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do my best to enjoy his past work. I, I don't endorse Toby Huss to work as Khan or Min, or not Min, Khan or Ted in the reboot, should they choose that to bring him back. That would be a weird reboot. It would. Yes, it'd be very fucking weird. I'm, I, so I'm here to to reaffirm what you said about the range that Toby Huss in this fucking episode. It's not a con for me, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to save my piece on it real quick because please, it, it's yeah, weird. Please. We are not celebrating the fact that he's playing a Laotian man, but we are celebrating the fact that he's playing two Laotian men who who are mean very different things to their culture and are still exposing us to Laotian culture. And he is a- acting so goddamn well through both of them. Like, it is really hard to wrap my mind around the fact that he is both of those characters sometimes because they're so individually yeah. unique. Um, but it's also very loving, too. It's not... It's never going to be Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know? Correct. Like, like I said, unless... And just that. Just, just in that, I can kind of take a little bit of, like, not solace, but, you know, it is a very loving representation exactly it's i don't think he ever intended it to and he may have actively worked against making Khan a caricature i don't think hank azaria ever meant to piss off a bunch of indian people when he voiced apu i don't think that was ever his intention i think that one person i think that one person got mad and the rest of the world yes ended it because that's what we were doing in 2016 but just i i, I also really hate that i really hate referencing one fucking other person you yeah. know what i mean like you know what? It's the problem that I just had with Daniel Radcliffe doing Weird Al Yankovic. Stop casting British actors as American icons. Like, how close are we to getting, like, Benedict Cumberbatch's John Wayne? I mean, I know it would be, like, a weird character. You just you know spoke what I that mean? into that, existence. That one probably won't ever happen. I know I did, and I'm really sorry. But, like, 
God, I want to see Fat Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, <laughs> this is me. You and I disagree on this point. I disagree on this point with several people, but then also like. I maintain, like, if you're going to go full authenticity in acting, you, nobody, nobody but nobody but nobody can portray anybody from a play before, um, what, uh, Shakespeare. We're going to say anything that Shakespeare, anything pre-Shakespeare. You can't do any of that shit. You can't do any of that shit because you know what? You're not Greek. You're not Roman. You're not Macedonian. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's that. It's, right. you can't be Oedipus because you're not Greek and that, and that, like, when it's white people, it's cool. When it's non-whites, that's when it becomes problematic. And yes, I understand. I, I understand the nuances, and I'm not saying like, you know what? If we can call the Simpsons really quick, Krusty the Clown doing the flipping dicky is bad. Yes, we know it's bad, and that's the point: is that we know it's bad, and that's not the things that you do. Now, should a white guy be cast? Should Matt Damon have been cast in the Great Wall movie? No. Fuck you. There's a thousand better actors, but like just in the same way that James say. James, mm, sorry, just in the same way that James say, us says Jackie Chan and the Jackie Chan Adventures when Jackie Chan shows up and does live work as Jackie Chan, I just, it's just a voice. It's just a voice you're putting behind a character. And it's like, so it it doesn't matter what color the character is. Like, just enjoy the character for what they're doing. And as long as they're not being like outwardly bad in whatever, I don't care. Like, I've been watching Bless the Hearts, and I kind of get irritated at how stupid the white people are. And it's like, okay, but also, fuck, white people are stupid. Like, Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, and I get it. I just, I don't know. And and that's my problem sometimes. And But, you know, it's the same problem I had with, like, uh, a couple weeks ago. We had Phil Lamar voicing um, the super fan of the Harmonaholics. Right. And he was using Dwight conrad's voice to do it and i was like dude i know what dwight conrad sounds like he's a little jamaican kid like right don't put this kid's voice in a grown white man's body it just doesn't work and i think that's my biggest problem is does it work and is it like outwardly like i am trying to be a dickhead about it exactly you know yeah. oh absolutely like, well and I, I, i'm done i'm done talking about shit i'm not qualified to talk about and i'm sure that like our numbers are going to go down even further because mark is getting out his goddamn soapbox again about whatever, but like con super nuisance. So, and also, and also, and also, I just want to sidebar to this sidebar to my sidebar. Uh, y'all know, y- you guys don't know, but y'all know and love my stepdad, Neil. He's a Scotch Korean gentleman. He's six foot eight. The, he's the second, he's the first generation of Korean immigrants and, um, Americans that were established. So he's got the weird, like cross of culture and he's got the weird, like immigrant burden that, you know, you always put onto the firstborn. And he's also got the weird, like, Korean shit of birth order, which God damn, I'm so sick of like, he holds me to higher expectations than Dan because I was born before Dan and like, so shit like this, but like, I know that Neil 1000% hates King of the Hill based off of just con because he says that it's racist. And one day, and one day I said, one day I asked him, I was like, why do you think it's racist? And he's like, oh, because you know, yells at his daughter is like, dude, you yell at your kids all the fucking time to try harder in school. Right. <laughs> and he kind of stopped. He's like, oh, fuck you. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. I know that I'm the problem, and I guess I'm just, like, blatantly apologizing. Maybe we ought to put it in, like, a dangle podcast, like, at the beginning of the episode. Like, hey, Mark's going to get on a soapbox, guys. Take it with a grain <laughs> of salt. But, like, 
Maybe we got to make a sound cue for that. I don't know, but it's, like it's a hard. I don't know. That's my point. Is I to just, talk about. I really enjoy Toby Huss. It's really hard to talk about, and it's also a conversation that needs to be had with nuance, with more than just me and more than just you. But like, also at the same time, we also just need to get to a point where we come together and say, "I fucking like a thing. Get off my nuts about it." Like, yeah. I can understand that. I love Eddie Murphy's Raw, and I am a thousand percent willing to say that it is problematic as, sh- as fuck and not LGBT positive. Yeah. His opening bit is, what if Mr. T was gay? And that is the funniest 30 seconds of comedy I've ever heard in my life. So I know I'm the asshole, but guys, just let's come together and enjoy a thing for what it is, and I'm going to stop talking. Johnny, what are we at? Pros, cons, <laughs> favorite moments? Um, Anything? Wh- Rebuttal? It, it Tell me I'm a dick. Tell me I'm a dick. Be the be the good guy coming in and being like, Mark, you're a problematic <laughs> fuck. Like... Uh, buddy, you're entitled to your coffee. own. You're you're entitled to your own opinion, and people here may not agree with you. But if that's the case, then that you know, you guys can go and let listen us know to in the any comments. other king. Yeah, let us know, or you can listen to any other King of the Hill content that you want. But we're, I mean, we're gonna keep going here. Um, no, we're to cons here. But I bet they don't fucking talk about this shit. I'm just saying, I bet they don't talk about it. Like probably not. We grow, we change, we evolve as a people. We got to celebrate the differences and enjoy the similarities and get over the things that we don't like. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get into my cons now because otherwise this episode's going to be about yes, an hour do. of us bitching about this. Um, dude, I'm Teddy's... not bitching. I just I want to talk about it because this, I think, is the best one to talk about it with. Oh, yes, for sure. Um, so Ted proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the best villain in this show, in this episode. And my reasoning behind here, this here. is he... He yes ands Khan into feeling guilty about not being Asian enough. He basically throws a pseudo racial slur at him because the banana thing is really fucked up to say to somebody. Um, you're basically t- shit. You're basically like... telling telling somebody that if they're not uh, authentic and they're code switching at all for any fucking reason, that they're terrible like endorser of their own culture. And it's like, no, that's not how you do this at all. Um, yeah. God, he. I mean, at one point, so we go from the beginning of this episode where all Khan wants is to go and get his, to enjoy his life at Nine Rivers Country Club and become friends with Ted and enjoy playing golf with other people that look like him into now he is going to be airdropped into a fucking gorilla task force into Laos and potentially (laughs) become a fucking POW. Like, and all, I believe yeah. all of it. I believe all of it. And Ted talks him into all of it. While at the same time, sitting on his fucking high horse with his state-of-the-art sound system and gigantic fuck-you house and perfect pool. Like, good God, he is the fucking Donald Trump of this show. Because they call it out. Like, yes. Oh, God, yes. These are my material things, but they do not control me. Like, fuck you. Yes, they do. Yeah. You're the biggest materialist in this goddamn... You're worse than Buck Strickland when it comes to, like, materialism. Yeah, like... Yeah. Um, mm. Ted's message, I feel, throughout the almost the entirety of this episode is a con because he is trying to tell you that if you are trying to adapt into the new culture that you're in, i.e., Khan now lives in America. He wants to become an American. That is part of his identity now. But he keeps being told by Ted that that is the wrong thing to do. You know what? You can appreciate where you come from and you can honor your ancestry while at the same time finding yourself in a new culture and adapting to that. I am from America and I love my American heritage, but I also now live in Germany and want to live like a fucking German. There is no reason that those two can't fucking coincide with each other. And so it's a con to me that that Ted makes everybody like that's the message I get from him throughout a lot of this episode, that that's how he feels. Um, 
I don't want sure. one person to take that away from this and go, well, fuck. Okay. I guess if I move to another country and I don't ex- act exactly the way I was fucking supposed to in my other country, that I'm somehow betraying my family, my ancestors, my entire fucking heritage. That is wrong to me. Um, my, my you last, do. my last fucking con, and you already nailed this early, early in this episode. Fred Ubert is still a fucking councilman and we all know that's a disgrace. God damn, that's a con. Why are you so mad at this man? What did he do? Like, more sweeping than, like, non-authenticity and actor casting. You have hated on Fred Everett for seasons. I don't know. For seasons. I don't know. Because he's an easy and fucking punching bag. And as best I can bag, tell, like he's, like, Carl an all-right politician. Moss. Like, he works at the Megaplex. Like, he's got, like, grassroots shit. Like, is he a racist? Is he, like, trying to, like, fly up the fucking, like, KKK man? Like, is that it? Like... Is, is he just like a KKK member and we just don't know it? Like... Every Everything that's wrong in Arlen seems to always boil down to, well, Fred Ebert did this or Fred Ebert did that. I'm pinning literally all of Arlen's problems on Fred Ebert because he's a piece of shit. Mark, where are the favorite moments, buddy? <laughs> Fred Ebert was the one that told Hank to flood the town. He is, he is, he is our sacrificial lamb here. <laughs> Fred Ebert... <laughs> just... I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm, I got the giggles. You just for fucking like 10 seasons now. I've listened to you yell at Fred Ebert and yell about <laughs> Fred Ebert. And I don't, I honest, we're about to launch a Patreon. And one of the tiers is the, 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 the count or what is it? The, the, the act, the, the group to recall Fred Ebert. Like, yes, you're going to get bumper stickers. I, it's going to be fucking great. I just great. don't understand. <laughs> I don't I, understand so bad I'm coughing. Like it's he's he's up there in my like echelon of characters that always elicit a reaction and a, a reaction from me. Like fucking Carl Moss or that Carl horse's Moss. ass Lane Pratley. Like the it, it's just I, I have a gut instinct reaction when he when his name comes up, it's like a like a trauma response, man. He's okay, just a disgrace. I just you just hate this man so I do. much. And... I do. <laughs> Give me your favorite <laughs> right, moments because then than... we can rate it and we can get out of here. We've been going a while today. Other than this, other than this moment in time right now, is, this might be my favorite moment of the show is just this moment. <laughs> um, I can't quit. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Whew. All right, here oh. we go. Favorite moment. Con doing Ted. That's such an amazing bit. I just... Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. That's that's it. Um, I don't know, pool party, whatever. Oh, I guess I also like the guy's costume change. We should talk about the costume change. <gasps> yeah, it's like their beach gear. The guy's second beach episode of the season. I'm glad that like we're like starting this season in summer. Right. We're not starting it, but we're like continuing. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, I, but the guy's beach gear was a good little bit too. I'm going to buy you a tank top that says beach bum. I'm going to buy one that says the butthole surfer and then we're going to go metal detecting <laughs> across the Rhine. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But con doing Ted is my favorite. What about you, buddy? Um, I've got two here and you've actually named them both at this point. My dreams are shattered. Yup. Mine too. Have a beer. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> definitely one. And Bobby's, I went to school on a Saturday. <laughs> I love the outrage in it. It's just like, damn it. How dare yes. you take this child's fucking weekend from him? Also, Child's Weekend in the Summer. 
almost. I'm not sure, but almost. But that's almost even worse. Like you, you're taking this kid's summer vacation for him to go and learn how to how to make Bill not fucking choke on something, which he should have learned long ago. Um, Con Bobby already knows how to save Bill from dying. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> Mark, let's get this bad boy rated because I am literally roasting in my own juices like Homer Simpson here. Um, scale of blue flame to charcoal. What do you give orange? You say orange. You sad. I did say banana. I gave it a buking. I don't know. I like this episode. Okay. I'm not going to put it on. It makes me feel kind of bad about just a lot of shit. I don't know. It's not an enjoyable episode of King of the Hill. It's a good episode. Um, but it isn't like, it isn't like the problem we had with Leanne saga where you can out and out say, I hate it because of X. It's yeah, just kind of weird, kind of awkward. Like, I don't like Hank's entitlement to the pool. That sounds kind of gross, but he did build the goddamn thing, so yeah. take it. I, okay, whatever. I just little bits. Um, I also side con. How come Hank never built a pool? I guess the answer is he didn't want to fuck up his yard. But like, okay, yeah, boy, a lot of episodes of this show focus around the lack of a pool in the hill yard, and why don't they just have one? Doesn't matter. It's a buking. Yeah, it's. Solidly, it's a solid episode, but at the same time, I'm not going to put it on. I'm not going to watch it. Like, I'll watch it if it comes on TV, but, like, I'm not going to look for it. It's a good episode. Um, Really solid voice work out of Toby Huss, but, yeah. Okay. Can't be a butane. It can't be just a straight butane, though, because it's better than that. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. How about you, buddy? Uh, So, it got a Char King from me. Uh, I double Char King this week. Are we happier when we don't record together? Is that the point? Like... No, so my so my reasoning behind this, and I'm going to tell you that this is a Char King for me because this is an episode that I'm going to show to somebody to get them into King of the Hill, to show them why this show Ooh. is so important to me. Um, it truly Ooh. shows how manipulative and coercive Ted Wasana Song is. It cements him as the best fucking villain in this show. You can show anybody who has never watched King of the Hill, hey... This is an episode about the best bad guy in this whole fucking show. And whenever he shows up, you know you're going to hate him and you know that he's going to be the bad guy. And it's it's going to make it so much easier to watch whatever episode he's in. Um, I really appreciate that in 10 seasons, it, it took us 10 seasons to get there. But in 10 seasons, we have the best fucking moment at the end where Khan basically tells Ted to fuck off. I'm not following your rat race bullshit anymore. I appreciate you getting me hooked back up with my roots, but I am not doing this anymore. He finally lets go of of his like idolization of Ted, at least to the, the to the yes. extent of it. And we've seen that build and build and build for 10 fucking seasons. And we finally get a very satisfying ending with him going, cool, I don't give a shit what you do now. Here's all your stuff back. And he fucking walks away. It is a oh, yeah. huge moment to me. Um, this episode is also one that I can go to somebody and say, I learned things from a TV show. I, it encouraged me to learn about other cultures because I can go through this and say, I know what Laotians eat. I know kind of how their their government system works. Um, I Like this show has taught me about how they celebrate New Year, what it's like to be Buddhist, all this sort of shit. And it culminates in this episode. So... I mean, mm-hmm. for all of those reasons, this is a this is a killer fucking episode for me. And I walked into it not thinking I was going to enjoy it very much. I don't remember the banana episode ever being this good. I remember it being like, a, oh, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's a Ted is a villain the episode. It is what it is. And oh, cool. At least I get to see Khan for a little bit. But like, it's so good to see Khan embrace his American side at the end. Even when he's fucking sad, he asks, 
Oh, who was her guests? Oh, it was uh, J.C. Lachey or whatever the fuck is name. Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson. Nick Lachey and, yeah. <laughs> what were they p- pimping? Retro reference rage. Nick yeah, Lachey. And, and Jessica Simpson, for that matter. <laughs> fuck. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, he embraces that American side. He wants to be that American person. And he also, but he also wants to stay true to his Laotian heritage. And they, it shows a really cool internal struggle. I am not like, it is not common for me to experience that. You know, I was a kid that was born and raised in America from immigrants that are like three generations back for all intents and purposes. I've been fucking naturalized. I don't know what it's like to maintain a heritage from somewhere else in a different land. Um, I mean, I do now. Mm. I'm getting to that point now while I'm in Germany. But even then, a lot of my heritage is from fucking Germany. So a lot of the foods I ate as a kid that were weird and fancy, that shit's normal over here. It's not like it's fucking new to me. Yeah. So this episode made me really appreciate my own heritage and what it, what it means to be multicultural. It made me respect Khan as a character because he can finally fucking stand up to Ted. It made me respect Ted as a villain because... Fuck, he is so good. So good in this. The only other episode that he may be a better bad guy is the McMansion one that we're going to get to. Because he's also just like Mm. 100% giant fuck you dickhead the entire time. So, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, I fucking love this episode, dude. It's it's not, it wasn't quite a blue flame for me, but it's a very hard Char King. That's awesome, man. I'm glad. Um, Yeah. That's great. Passion. Passion. Yes. Um, real quick, between this versus Redneck on Rainy Street, when Khan also totally like just jumps off board and kind of does his own shit, which one is the better episode? This one. This one. Okay. I like Redneck. God, I look on at Rainy Redneck Street. on Rainy a lot, like like Khan does um, Office Space. Yeah, Redneck on but Rainy like, Street. This to one me, is. It's Redneck on Rainy Street to me is is like let's see how uncomfortable we can make the audience by putting Khan into a culture he's not supposed to be in. Like, it's a fun little yes. exploration into something new. This is him rec- like reconciling with his past. Wants. It's never going to be his, like, natural choice to, like, become a redneck. Yes. Versus this when he naturally does, like, cry off and go, no, I'm not I'm not doing this shit. Fuck you, Ted. Like, yeah, he, he, is, he is a Laotian, and he wants to honor that, but at the same time, he wants to continue to be an American. Like, he recognizes and wants to be where he's at. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I... Hmm. Good shit, dude. Good shit. Um, I have one more one more question for you. Okay. Um, who sang our other music cue that you said? Billy Ocean. Billy Ocean. What ocean? All right, sorry, I had to just get that <laughs> out. Uh, Johnny, do you still like King of the Hill, buddy? Mark, I still <laughs> love King of the Hill. Um, this week definitely solidified it. It's incredible, incredible shit. How about you, man? God. Man, what a breath of fresh air this week was. Holy shit. I was I was getting kind of down there for a minute. No, yeah, I I love King of the Hill. Yeah. I love this show. Yes. Oh my god. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. It's great. Yes. Yes. Hey, we're here for the highs and for the lows, and the lows are coming next week, so get excited. <laughs> well, I guess we will cross that bridge when we get to it. Oh, In yes, meantime, we will. Johnny, do you want to tell those good people where they can find us? Of course, Mark. As I am trying to, like, diplomatically swallow my fucking bile for the next... <laughs> I'm really glad you're back in Germany, dude. I'm really glad you're not here in America because our collective rage is probably just like... 
Ooh. We'd blow up the Yellowstone Caldera with our, with the force of our fucking rage. Um, the people, oh, good people of I'm internet sick. and podcast land, they can find us on Dangle Podcast. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can always email us at danglepodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to me personally on Instagram. I am Krautball. Kraut is in sauerkraut. Ball is in Swedish meatball. Guys, I'm in Germany. I'm eight hours ahead of Colorado time at this point. I'm up at weird times of the night. So if you get insomnia and you want to talk to somebody about King of the Hill, I might be awake. It may just happen. It'll be fun. Mark, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter, or you can find us on our sister podcasts, The Two Wizards Podcast, where me and my buddy Josh stare into the void so you don't have to. This week we talked about river pirates. I got super horned up for river-based piracy, and it was Yarr. a lot of fun. Or... Uh, <laughs> God damn you. <laughs> um, <laughs> this chair be high, says I. Um, or... You can find us on I Can't Wait to Show My Kids, a weekly cinematic review podcast where me and my buddy Brad and sometimes Johnny, we take movies that like we absolutely love and we show them to each other because the other one missed it. And then we answer that super important question of when can I share this questionable content with my children? This week we watched, um, I think this week we watched They Should Not Grow Old. Peter Jackson's documentary on World War One. Um, it's a real laugh a minute. Let me tell you, it's an amazing... Guys, go watch it. Go watch it and then go, okay, now I get why Mark gets so depressed sometimes. Because um, he seeks this shit out willingly. Um, find us there. Let us know what you think. T- come tell me that I'm a problematic asshole that should only be looking at skin color versus typecasting. Um, tell Johnny that he's a jerk for repatriating to Germany. Um... I don't know. Tell us something good, too. Tell us that you like what we're doing. I I could use some positive reinforcement, I guess. Um, Yeah. Yeah, just let us know at any of those spots. And thank you for being here. Thank you for letting us be a part of your day. We hope that you all still love King of the Hill just as much as we do. And we will see you next week when I am sure that I will be a big old bucket of rage. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend.